0: Before we get started, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts on WDET. It's called The Beginning of the End, and it's hosted by Alex Trajano. And The Beginning of the End is a show about when, how, and why things end, from the end of living in the closet to stealing a plane to get your entire family out of Vietnam. Whoa. We have new episodes in the works, but you can listen to Season 1 right now. Go to beginningoftheend.org. From WDET in Detroit, this is Twisted Storytellers. I am your curator and host, Satori Shakur. I come from a long line of storytellers, old black women from the South, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, who told stories to teach, to to warn, to entertain. To me, human and story are synonymous. Today I wanna tell you about my brother, William Raymond Magruder, we called him Billy Ray. The last time I spoke to my brother was in September 2014. Every day I think, you know, when I drive by Mac and (laughs) third or second, I think, He could be in any of these abandoned houses, dead. You know what I mean? I don't have hope that he's alive. Well, my brother is 13 months older than me. And my mother, a single mother, couldn't afford to keep two babies. So my brother went to live with my crazy, religious, fanatic uncle on the other side of town. Every Sunday, we would go to visit him, and I hated it because my uncle was a strong believer in children should be seen and not heard, and if he heard it, he would just, like, appear out of nowhere like a swashbuckler swinging his belt. Oh, he'd used the belt, like, 12 years a slave. (sighs) And when it was time to leave, I was so happy, but then when I looked at my brother, he on the other hand, was crying. He, My mother would sometimes have to remove his arms from around her waist to leave, and he he would look at me with these eyes that seemed to me to be accusing, like I had done something to him. There was this yearning, this, this sort of, I don't know, separation anxiety every Sunday. Well, he got into a big fist fight with my uncle. I mean, he's 15 now, and my uncle's getting older, you know, and my uncle beat him every day. So one day he hit him back and my uncle said, that's it, you're going back, you're going to live with your mother. And then he came as a heroin addict. Overdosing, going to the hospital, my mother one day said, tell her show her, and he, she pushed up his shirt sleeves, and I could see the track marks sprinkle up and down his arm, and I'm like, you're a junkie, and I ran out of the house. He ran after me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna do it again, I'm sorry. But heroin addiction doesn't work like that, it just doesn't. I was, we were, he was like the evil twin, I was the good, he was the evil, and every bad thing he did, I wanted to do something extra good to compensate, because I could see the anguish. I was taller than him. He was shorter, so that was reason to terrorize me. You're younger and taller, and you get all the good grades, and I'm, you know, it's like I was his personal target. And I hated it, so I would pour my rage into the violin. I would just stand at the top of the stairs in the stairwell and just saw my violin in half. I went to college. Billy Ray went to prison. I moved to New York, sang with Parliament Funkadelic, singing in front of hundreds of thousands of people I couldn't fully enjoy. it. I didn't feel worthy. And while Billy Ray was getting clean in solitary confinement, I was getting high in five-star hotel rooms for superstars. I was addicted to Freebase and Coke, but I couldn't see it because my addiction didn't look like Billy Ray's. His looked like nodding, slobbering, lurking in alleyways and holding people up at gunpoint. Mine looked like riding in limos to award shows, being chased and signing autographs. And while he was getting his life together in prison, I was falling apart on the road. He came out just in time to steal money from our father's bank account before he died. Then Billy Ray went back in a year later. Armed robbery, 20 years. I felt safe when he was locked up. He missed weddings, births, deaths, and divorces. I would have liked to have forgotten him, but my mother would call Billy Ray, ask about you. Why won't you accept his calls? Billy Ray speaks so highly of you. Billy Ray, who? I was a block of ice. I had killed him off in my mind. Ten years go by. He gets out of jail in 2004. My mother died a year later, and after that, I didn't see him anymore. Then a few months after, my sister sent me a text with his picture. He looked really bad, like he was going to die. It scared me. So I asked for his number, but I didn't call him right away. I didn't know what to say. What do you say? I just wanted to say hi before you die. So I waited. It was the first Sunday in Lent, and I sing in a Presbyterian choir. And the pastor starts her sermon. The sermon is about temptation and how If we are weak and unable to resist, then we have to repent and be forgiven to get back into God's good graces. And somewhere in the middle of the sermon, I start to cry uncontrollably. I can't stop myself, and I don't want to. I figure if I can't cry in church, where can I cry? It felt like I was letting go for the first time. And so I stand up, still sobbing. I don't know what I'm going to say. And I hear myself say, I'm grateful for every temptation that has ever come into my life. I recognize temptation as God coming to me with an invitation to know myself better and deeper. And if I fall down, make a wrong choice, just lift me up because I recognize temptation as God coming to me to know myself better and deeper. And when I sat down, the air didn't move. You could hear a pin drop. They were statues. No one breathed. And all I could hear was my sobbing. And after church, I'm still crying. I wanted one of those big black women with huge breasts from my childhood to wrap her arms around me and let me cry as long as it took to empty my tears. I went home. I canceled all my appointments and I cried for two weeks. It was like a dam had burst. And then I picked up the phone and I called my brother. He was so happy to hear from me, I could hear him dropping stuff out of shock. And then I told him what had happened in the church and that I was sorry it had taken me so long to call him. I told him I had judged his journey and looked down on him for years. I realized we were two sides of the same coin. He would act out his rage and I would keep mine in. I measured my goodness against his badness to feel worthy, legitimate, and then I was sorry. And he said, oh, that's all right, that he had forgiven me a long time ago for what I'd done to him. He told me he had always loved me. He loved my weaknesses because he knew I couldn't, that he had never judged me. And he tells me he's falling down and getting up, but he's staying up longer. And I think to myself, isn't that what I'm doing? What all of us are doing, who am I to judge? We talked for two hours. And my brother has become like my intellectual sage, this compassionate, wise person. And I have never been listened to the way he listened to me. He got me like a Xerox copy. And that phone call with him was the first time I felt 100% legitimate. It was like a burden had been lifted from my soul. And at the end of the day, when all is said and done, and after all the bitterness and the anger and the judgment, there's only love. And anything that doesn't look like love is a reminder. We all have a couple of more steps to go to reach it. And I I can see that now. After that, amazing phone conversation with my brother, which connected us uh, once again. And he became my brother, a sage, a wise person. Uh, I invited him to tell a story at the Secret Society of Twisted Storytellers. And he came and told this one. All right.
1: Well, my story is about recovery. Uh, I was with this girl, and we stayed together on... Greeley and out of drive in uh, some kind of way, during our twisted relationship. Uh, I got locked up on her birthday. She went to the mental hospital, and uh, but when I got out, you know, I, you know I run back into her, and she uh, was on the bus, and I, I seen her, and we talked, but she was still using. But so was I, and so we talked. And uh, she said, "Did I have something?" And I said, "Yeah." She said, "Well, come by." But she didn't tell me that she stayed in an abandoned building. You know, so when I, you know, so when I came, and I told her that I was coming in, she said, "You got it." She said, "Yeah." And I was about ready to step in. She said, but "Watch your step." Y'all had to jump across because if I took another step, I'd have fell to the basement. <laughs> you know, so uh, I, went on, I, went on, I went on up the stairs. And so I got in her room. The windows was boarded up. She got a mattress on the floor. And so after we got high, you know, we both fell asleep. Well, we woke up. And a possum was at the end thing. of the bed. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she told me, she said, get him out. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I said, I'm thinking, this is what I thought. I said, bitch, you got to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she showed him on out, so when, he, when she... So when he left out, she said, close the door. And I said, you still got to be crazy. <laughs> so she shut the door. And then I told her, I said, well, look. I said, I'm going to pray for you. You need anything to eat? Because I, I I'm about ready to go. <laughs> because, you know, I'm waking up impossible. Because he took his time leaving. <laughs> you know, and he wasn't studying us, Period. You know, and that was a a, a real experience that uh, <laughs> I think she did the work because she got in mind because I didn't do it. And that's the story that I had.
0: <laughs> this is his life. And I'm like, I couldn't live that. But he's my brother. I love him. I'm not judging him. That's his life. That's his choice and God got it. But we we haven't talked to him since tw- September 2014 and we have you know gone to the missing persons day and put his name in the system but I, we have not laid eyes on him or heard from him. So um just want to know is he alive that was a hard story so thanks so much for listening to Twisted Storytellers a production of WDET produced by Zach Rosen sound design and mixed by Sam Bobian, executive producer Alex Trajano. for more stories please visit www.secretstorytellers.org And if you have a brother, hug him hard tonight. See you next time. I used to hate asking for money, ladies and gentlemen. But now I love it. We do people right. (laughs) And I encourage you to send your money over to WDET. And get a bang for your buck, because we're bringing you, you, we're bringing you human wisdom. And we're looking for you to dig in your pockets and bring out a couple of dollars, $10, 50 whatever you can do. To support our show, go to WDET.org. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your help. We are grateful.